Hello, and welcome to the inaugural podcast of the Draft House Ditherers. My name's Tiffany, and today I'm drinking a Lining Kugel's Grapefruit Shandy. My name's Ethan, and today I'm drinking a Bully Porter from the Boulevard Brewing Co. And my name's Brian, and today I'm drinking an Alaskan Winter from the Alaskan Brewing Company. So basically what this podcast is, is just us three friends sitting around a table, sharing a beer, and discussing whatever topics come to mind. Uh, This week, it's my turn, and uh, what I would like to discuss with you guys today is my idea that I don't think that you should go to college at 18 years old. Basically, I don't think you're an adult when you're 18 years old, and I don't think you should be deciding what to do with the rest of your life when you were 18. I think back in the day, it was the norm to graduate high school, go to college, be married with kids by the time you're 25, and that's just not the way our culture is right now. Okay. So you feel like we shouldn't go at 18. When do you think we should go? I would think 22, 23 years old is when I think you start to actually be an adult. Because I don't think you're an adult at 18. Just to share an anecdote, I suppose. I mean, I we all originally went to attempted school the first time at 18 yep i know that i started school uh, my original major was sociology the next year it was english the next year it was computer science and after that i dropped out having no idea what i was doing took four years after that to figure out what i actually wanted to do i did the exact same thing i started college when i was 18 i was going to be a criminal justice major and go to law school and then the next year i was going to go into education and the next year i changed it to i don't even remember what and then i also quit and then i went back when i was 23 or 24 and got a degree in communication that i will also point out that i currently don't use and i found a job that i love that does not even require a college degree so um i mean if we're gonna recount histories like that um I also did the same thing. I was a political science major when I entered school. Uh, Decided I didn't want to do that. That didn't sound very much fun. Uh, Then I went into physical therapy for a little while. Uh, I found out you had to take organic chemistry to to pass that. So, nope, not going to do that. And then I decided I wanted to try nursing for a little while. That didn't happen either. Uh, I looked into English. And finally, about two and a half years after I started college, I decided to go right back to political science. And um, uh, it took me an extra year to graduate because it took me so long to decide what I wanted to do. Uh, and then somehow I got roped into, you know, going to law school. But, you know, what are you going to do? So I guess the common theme there is that not a single one of us had any idea what we wanted to, you know, be when we grew up at the age of 18. And I think if you go to college at 18 with a plan, like, this is what I want to do personally, I just think there's a good chance by the time you are... 30 35 40 years old you're going to be like i hate what i do but i put all my time and energy and money into getting this specific degree and now i hate what i do because you didn't have time to figure out who you were as a person because i'll tell you when i was 18 i thought i was grown up i was like i'm such a grown-up i moved out of home and that looking back i was like you were still a baby like you had no business being in charge of your own decisions because you were an idiot and didn't know what you were doing i mean let's be honest with how many of us here would Call ourselves complete and full adults. I would. The amount of <laughs> Disney on my Pandora station would suggest otherwise. I mean, I don't think enjoying <laughs> childlike things makes you a child. I think that what makes you an adult is handling responsibilities on your own or with the help of those close to you. I don't think you handle responsibilities on your own at 18. At 18, most likely you're still living at home. You don't know how to pay a bill. You don't know how to sign a lease for an apartment. You don't know how to do anything. that really. I think you should take a couple years, live on your own, and save up some money too so you don't have to be that broke college kid that lives on ramen all day, every day for four years. Like, Work a little bit, get an apartment, learn how to be an adult and be responsible. Make sure that you're going to class and uh you know save up some money and then you will be significantly less broke even if you're working like a fast food job you could become a manager by the time you're 22 and going to college you'll be making more money and you don't have to be like that typical broke college student i just worry i mean the i think the common uh, theory about gap years is that you start to take that one year and then it turns into two years into three years into four years into i'll go next next fall next fall so i guess is is that a, is that something to be worried about well i mean i took a gap year that turned into four gap years but i did eventually come to the conclusion of 
what I wanted to do. And I think generally, people will eventually figure out, well, I want to do this. How do I achieve it? And then they'll look, well, okay, I have to go to school for this, or I have to go to trade school, or I have to get this specific degree. And they'll pursue that. I think it would it would prevent so many people from going and getting degrees that they don't want or they're not going to use. It would lessen the cheapening of, well, bachelor degrees. And more people would be entering different portions of the workforce. We wouldn't have this stigma that you have to go to college to be successful. There would be more people going into trades, more people doing other things. And I mean, I had a good experience in college. I was a cheerleader my freshman year. I was in a sorority. I generally enjoyed being in school and learning, but it didn't do me any good to go for two and a half years and waste time and money for, and then I took my gap years as well, but I eventually went back and I don't even use the degree that I got. I found a different job that I enjoy having. Excuse me. And I just, I don't think that also not college maybe isn't for everybody. Like it was an enjoyable experience for me. You might be another person who spends a bunch of time and money to go to college with a degree you don't even use. So I don't, I don't think you should push your kid. Like you have to go to college when you're 18. I mean, Brian, I feel like I have to say that at that point, it's no longer four gap years, which you took was a gap schooling. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, what I'm wondering, what I'm hearing is, uh, isn't the at like, Going to college, a major part of growing up? It is. It can be, but it doesn't have to be. Well, and the other thing, too, is that... I'm going to sound super judgmental here. Maybe it's because I'm getting old. But I think another thing, too, is if you put off that college for a couple years, you. I'm not saying that there wouldn't be underage drinking, but I think once you remove like that kind of like college party years element to it, I think that that would actually help, especially because I last time I checked, North Dakota was like number one for underage and binge drinking. And I'm not, obviously, college has a lot to do with that. And I don't think it's going to completely eliminate the problem, but I do think that it would help it. Um, now you're, and I, again, I'm saying this as someone who was Greek too. Like I enjoyed my experience. I loved being in my sorority. We held philanthropies and it was a very good experience. It was a good way to meet friends, but I think you could still maybe have that when you're in your twenties and then maybe drinking wouldn't be such a big part of it. Well, so what I was going to get at is, um, an idea came to me and I had not thought of this at all before we started talking is maybe we should separate the social community aspect of college from the training for a job aspect of college. More like trade school versus four-year university with yep. Greek life. Something like, you know, you continue to get a general education for two years after high school. And then after that, you're, you know, asked to decide what you want to do with your life. What do you mean by two years of general education Well, I don't mean, the, you know, everyone has to take a general education at a four-year university, right? Like public speaking. In yeah, terms, all, like, the, okay. all the low-level stuff. Maybe we do that along with... I don't know, everyone's always asking for life skills classes, like, how do I pay taxes? How do I pay my bills? It's one of my favorite memes is like, I'm so glad I learned about parallelograms. It's gonna really going to help me this upcoming parallelogram season, because they don't teach you how to do your taxes. <laughs> I, some schools, I mean, they did teach us back when we were in school, but that was quite a while ago in middle school. They taught us how to do laundry and things like that. But I do know people who are in their late teens, early 20s, and they don't know how to do a load of laundry, like... Learn how to do that before you go to college. Like, you need to be able to wash your own clothes, maybe cook a meal other than ramen, something that doesn't come out of the freezer. You know. Did you both have home ec classes in high school? Yes. Or something like it. They were say. offered. I didn't take it. We just had a cooking class. We uh, had oh. home. We had like home. It was. I don't remember what it was called. It wasn't called home ec, but it was. I think it was called life skills, and that was in middle school where we learned to do laundry, cook apple crisp, or whatever. Yep, we had the same. They made me sew a pillow together. You yes. still have it. I still yep. have mine too. Yep. Oh, uh, mine mine <laughs> fell apart because I was bad. Um, I don't recall making apple crisp. I remember making a chocolate pizza, something I've had Gross. exactly one time in my life. That sounds horrible. I was going to say I believe we made oatmeal cookies, and I believe I believe I almost started mine on fire. So that doesn't surprise me at yeah, all. I, I was the only person to break a dish, which doesn't surprise me because if you've ever met me in real life, I'm a very energetic and spastic. Also, I think that we did not mention what it is we actually do. So you did mention that you went into political science, and what are you doing right now? I'm in law school. Okay. I went back for a history degree, a bachelor's history, undergraduate history degree, and my intention is to go to graduate school either for a master's in public history or to pursue a PhD. Okay, and so what I'm doing is kind of 
I have two paths. So I told you I have an undergraduate degree in communication that I am not currently using. Uh, I'm in the process of applying to get my PhD in international and cross-cultural communication because I was an undergraduate TA for a year in interpersonal communication and I really loved it and I especially loved the professor that I was working under. Excuse me. And so I would like to teach, but right now what I'm doing is I teach uh, group exercise classes. So I teach Zumba and Turbo Kick and I really love doing that. And if it was like, if you have this unlimited amount of money, what would you like to do? If I could open a studio and teach fitness classes full time, I would. And that doesn't require a college degree. It required a one day, eight hour training for each mode. And that doesn't require a degree. And I really do love doing that. So I don't really know what I'm doing, but the point is I'm not using the degree that I got. And the reason I got a degree in the first place is because everyone around me, my family, my husband's family, extended family, friends were like, you need to go to college and get a degree. And now I have a degree that I don't use. Now, if I do end up going to graduate school and getting my PhD, I will use it. But right now this degree is useless. I look at it and be like, hey, look at what I paid for. The unfortunate thing is, though, that in the modern work world, that having that degree is um, just, it's actually of a benefit to you. Even if you're not using it, if you put that degree down on a resume, you're already looking better than somebody who doesn't have it. And part of that culture might also be a problem, where if you are if you expect everybody to have a degree, then anybody who doesn't have it is immediately cut out. And as you said earlier, school might just, like higher education might not just not be for everybody. Well, and the thing too is, is pushing everyone like you have to go to college. That's the whole reason that bachelor degrees are useless. Now you have to have a master's. It's getting to the point where you have to have a PhD before anyone will even consider you. That's a lot of school for some people to go. Like if you get a PhD in some things, that takes 10 extra years. So, I mean, pushing everyone to go into college when maybe it's not for everyone is kind of flooding the market with like overly qualified people. I will say this in defense of our, I guess, parents and mentors. At the time that they were pushing us all to go to school, the economy was growing at a record rate. Everything was good. Uh, things changed. Uh, nowadays, uh, it's a lot harder to find work in some fields than others. And that is, some have called for a renewed focus on trades. Some have said focus on medicine and you know internet, social media type stuff. The stuff that's still growing. So, I mean... Our parents thought that the economy was just going to keep growing. Well, here's the thing. I would never turn my nose up at education either. Like, I think you can you can always stand to learn more. Whether you're taking college classes or doing informed research on the internet, you should never stop learning. And, I mean, I, do, I retained everything that I learned in college that I was interested in. Um, and there's also this push to go into STEM fields. Personally, I'm not a math and science person. Like, I can do it, but I am not good at it. But I can correct your grammar and edit your papers all day, every day. I have people skills, but I don't have those math, science, technology skills. So people who are like, ah, go get your your painting degree, your basket weaving liberal arts degree. STEM fields aren't for everybody. And you do need people making music and art. Like, that's important, too. And people who look down on that, like, shame on you. It's an important part of our culture, too. All right. Shudder to imagine what a civilization without any music, art, you know, uh, I don't, I just don't want to know what that looks like. Black and white and gray and sad is what it looks like. What are the, um, the aliens from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? I cannot remember. I remember their names, but too old for me. They'd probably be like that. Stuffy, bureaucratic, uninteresting. Oh, yes. Okay. (sighs) Those guys. Um. Like the Wizard of Oz before the Technicolor kicked in. (laughs) (laughs) So I just, there, there is this, a lot of people saying that, you know, we should have all gone into STEM fields, but they're forgetting that the purpose of the four-year education, which is what our, basically our entire ed- higher education system is built on, is to give everyone a well-rounded ed- education so that should you discover that you have an innate knack for how to write a play when you're 45 and working as a systems admin, you can still do that. You know, you have enough English that you can start doing that. But I think it, it is a little bit of the pain of a recession, a lot of people not having work, that people are ruining spending extra on education that they wish they had not spent. And that causes them to look at the things they, quote-unquote, did not need from their education to get into their field 
and blame that as the reason why the prices are going up. And I think this all kind of stems back to the beginning of our issue, which is that at 18 years old, you're not prepared to consider all of these possible ramifications, consequences, everything that could possibly happen while you're in school. You can start school and in a field that's growing and you know uh, massively increasing in size, and by the time you graduate, there's no jobs. Well, and the other thing, too, with, again, going when you're 18, when you get your first credit card and you can finally take out student loans, I know so many people who took out thousands upon thousands more than they needed in loans because they're 18 and short-sighted and didn't think, hey, I have to pay all of this back. People who have hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt with jobs that they can't get. Um, you know, and that's Guilty. another, that's, <laughs> and that's a whole other ball game of problems is how much college costs and how far you dig yourself in that you're, you know, 60, 70 years old before you're done paying back your student loans, partially because it's really expensive and partially because you took out more than you needed. Your field wasn't hiring. So, and, but like I said, that's a whole other ball game of problems. I mean, it might've been a bad decision, but I went into college with the idea that I have the rest of my life to work and pay off debts. And I should enjoy college while I was there. And I don't regret it yet, but I'm also <laughs> only paid off my loans for a short amount of time. So, And I mean, I agree with that too. You do have the rest of your life to work. That's what my mom always told me when I was going to get a job in high school. She's like, let me take care of your big bills for right now. She paid my cell phone bill and I didn't really have a lot of bills. I'm not really like a clothes and shoes person. But she's like, you're only young once. Take the time to be a teenager. Have your fun now. Go do cheerleading stuff. Go hang out with your friends. You have the rest of your life to work. So enjoy being young while you have it. Because she's right. That's all I do now is I go to one job. I come home. I go to the next job. Come home. Go to the next job. And that's all I do. The, the worry is, though, the so maybe even the cultural ramifications of an entire generation that's pretty much just working to pay off debt they started with. Yep. That's really not anything we've experienced that well, we can I mean, think of our, in our, our parents before. were able to work a full-time uh, high school education only required job and buy a house by the time they were 50 uh, exactly my my dad gets out of school and immediately has enough you know gets a job that allows him to buy you know an expensive to build an expensive house buy a car raise a family and that's just not even a remote possibility for me now without some sort of college degree. And he did it without a college degree. Well, and the other thing too, and again, this, this might be another topic for another time is you have people who are graduating and getting jobs now, but they can't afford a down payment on a house because they're so busy paying off their student loans. And then you have the housing market is going to crash because people are going to die and no one's going to be able to buy those houses. Now, if you happen to be a little more well off, you're in good shape because you can afford that. But that's not the case for everybody. Most people have to pay for college themselves through loans. You can't work a nine to five job and still pay for your entire college. It's not possible. I actually that. don't even think that's enough money to pay for college at this point. No, it's not. Unless, unless you like, maybe work at your dad's company and getting paid like $25 an hour, but like a regular job when you don't have a college degree is not enough to pay for a college degree. I said, I think, I mean, if you go to a state school, um, you're going to be making, let's say conservatively $11, $12 an hour at a decent job, nine to five. If you can work nine to five while you're in school, which I know I would not have been able to. I think I worked like 30 hours a week at a very flexible employer. Um, uh, even at that rate, you're still not going to make enough money to pay for school, living expenses, and have a dime to feed yourself. And you know you have to have certain amounts of technology to keep up with education and just the modern world. And I was saying, and honestly, what kind of life is it going to be if you do work so hard? So all you do is work and eat and sleep and study, and you have no life otherwise. Because you know what? We've talked about this before. It's all about who you know more than what you know. If you don't have time to like go out and make connections with people, A, you're just going to suffer as a human being because we're social creatures. And B, <laughs> Brian disagrees with me. Um, I'm not always the most social. <laughs> but like you, you have to go out and make those connections. If you don't have time to meet people, Like, good luck getting a job. If you can name drop during your job interview, that's a big part of the battle, whether we want to admit it or not. Yeah, definitely. I I feel like there are people who could be happy living that lifestyle. You know, go to work, go to school, go home, go to sleep. I am not one of those people. Me I either. don't think I've met any one of those people, but I know they're out there, so I want to, you know, give them some props on that. But 
Yeah, man, if you can work and go to school and pay for it all out of pocket and s- sacrifice having a social life, like, good for you. But, uh, you know, it's got to be hard. you got to develop those social skills. It's an important part, and I think it's another thing that's underplayed. Social skills are an important skill. And other than interpersonal communication, which was my, my favorite class, um, <laughs> but it still doesn't really, uh, one semester of that isn't going to give you the people skills you need to survive in the real world. It's not just the social skills either. The, uh, the more, you know, if you're working... And then going to school and going home sleeping and just doing it over again the next day, that's going to be a tremendous amount of stress on anybody. And that's going to lead to mental health issues and just general a lack of, you know, proper performance in both your job and school, which is just going to cause you to suffer further. And I mean, you're stressed out with how much you have school and work right now as it is, and you still have a little bit of free time. I, I have a actually reasonable amount of free time. It just doesn't feel like it with the way every th- my schedule works out. I mean, I can comfortably say that there are two times in my life when I've worked three jobs at once, and I did not want to live anymore at those times. I'm currently working three jobs, but I'm also not in school at the time, so I'm doing okay. Yeah, that's fair. I was in school also, so. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh-uh. I remember that. That wasn't a good time. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> when I switched jobs, I was working both of them for two weeks and in school, and no, don't ever want to do that again. No, you don't want to do three? How, let's let's not push it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing I was talking about. One of one of the places that I teach my fitness classes at, um, the classes are getting reduced because budget cuts everywhere. And since I'm applying to graduate school, I was like, as much as I love to teach, it probably wouldn't be so bad if I wasn't teaching 30 hours a week plus working at my serving job another 20 to 30 hours a week and also going to school full time, which in graduate school is really only three, like three classes anyway, but it's still going to be a lot of work. So, um so I'm just going to take us right back to the thesis because that's what I'm going to do when I don't know what else sure. to bring up. Um, the issue is that we're not prepared at 18 to go to school, or specifically to make the decision, what do you want to do with the rest of your entire life? Because we've lived, what, maybe a fifth of it at that point? Not even? And also at that point, when you're deciding to go to college, you still have to raise your hand to ask if you can go to the bathroom, and they now they're going to, like, you have to decide your life when you still have to ask if you can go to the bathroom? Yeah. No, there's absolutely a, not. There's, there's always there's that a, one, there's one freshman. freshman every year. <laughs> yep. Yeah, no, I, like, so my question is then, what can we do to prepare people as soon as possible to know what they want to do with their lives? Well, I personally believe perhaps some sort of... Uh, work study period after high school and before college where rather than going straight into college part of your education is you're put into a just a menial job somewhere but your choice you're not being placed it's just it's a a prerequisite for college sounds like slavery to me that is one problem with the but i just feel like a prerequisite for going to college is maybe you have worked a job for six months For sure. And I mean, I differ a little. I'm a little more strict on this. I think that everybody, before you can even apply for a different job, you have to work six months in retail or food service. So you learn how to be a polite human being. Because I also, I don't think I mentioned this. I also work as a server. And there are not enough people that know how to be polite human beings. And so I think your first job, you have to work in retail or food service. It teaches you important skills as well as learning to be like a decent human being. But again... I'm given to understand that some countries use to a two-year required military service or civil service, technically. I guess you can work in the government somewhere, too. Um, and apparently that's working out great for them. But if you put you me on the spot... you get paid for that? Yes. Okay. But if you put me on the spot, I think, again, um, I could not name which countries or if they get paid for something. I know Israel does a required per, like conscription, but I don't know how well that works. And that's also a part of the world that is... Uh, I think South Korea also... And um, I think there's one in Northern Europe. Yep, South Korea definitely does. I remember that one. And uh, you'd be hard-pressed for me to name which it's Northern European one. I think Northern one. Europe, yep. it's one of those. But, but th- there are a few countries that do that. I just... The idea of... I mean, one, we maybe don't need everybody... Unless we expand program like uh, public service programs. Like, we have people going out and cleaning up the community, doing public works projects regularly. I don't think we'd be able to support that sort of thing. And I also don't think, as a country, we should support required conscription for any length of time. 
I mean, that could just be part of like the application to college process, though, is that you've held a job or even not even a job, maybe even just volunteer hours. You don't have to have like a like if you really can't for whatever reason work like a paid job, go volunteer at like your animal shelter, go volunteer somewhere, do something other than, you know, sit in mom's basement and play video games for two years and then go to college. I resemble that remark. You resemble? I resemble that remark. (laughs) Uh, But yes, I. But you held a job, though. This is true. That's why it's only resemble because you still had a job. I have no problem with playing video games. I play a ton of video games, but I also have a job. But I was in the basement, and that's why I resemble <laughs> that remark. I mean, I do agree with like just even six months of a job or just a maybe a set number of hours at either a job or volunteer service required to enter uh, to apply for a college would give even just the barest glimpse of what it's like to actually be just working maybe not even on your own, but just to interact with a wider circle of people that you may not have otherwise interacted with. Because I think it's another problem with college. People, Kids get dropped in college, and maybe they came from a small-town high school with 60-plus people, maybe not even, and you're dropped into a community that is thousands of people from a very wide variety of different cultures and some people just are not prepared for why do i feel like you both are like bagging on me right now (laughs) i'm not begging on you because you lived within proximity of that larger culture i'm talking people from literally the middle of nowhere i I would not call the town that i lived in proximity to a good example of a multicultural place fair enough no but you lived close enough to grand forks that you you were aware of other cultures because you have people who come to college and they've never seen a person of a different skin color before that's fair that's fair we had one in my hometown (laughs) see and weren't they only half uh yes see i said oh you have people come from little tiny farm towns that you know all 10 people that live in that town are white now they come here and there's people of different religions and different skin colors and oh my god so for sure you should have to do having some kind of job interacting with other people. Now, I will also point out that I think that culture shock can be kind of a good thing in mm-hmm. in, a, in, a, in a college environment like that. But I feel like with the experience of dealing with people you may not have met before, you're going to handle these situations. You're going to handle that culture shock a little better than if you literally go from high school where I have to raise my hand to ask to go to the bathroom and then being dropped onto a campus of thousands of people. I just thought of a pretty good personal anecdote. Well, I wouldn't call it an anecdote. Well, it's go, not quite that anyway. personal. But in law school, I can say with some confidence that it seems like the people who come into class and are ready to succeed from day one are the ones who worked at some point, either between high school and college or between college and law school. Uh, they're usually a little bit older, but they're a little bit more prepared to be a professional, to do their work, and they just seem a little more well put together. And then you got people like me who somehow stumble through school all the way through 26 years of my life without even really a relevant piece of life experience whatsoever. And I think we just look like a, you know, a wanton mess to them. And that's the other thing, too. I didn't really have a job in high school. I was honestly just in too many things. I did not have time to have a job. And again, my mom was a big proponent of you have your whole life to work. And that may be one of the reasons I didn't really know what I wanted to do and why I only went for you know, two and a half years and then dropped out is I hadn't worked a job really. Um, so maybe, maybe that didn't help prepare me. And it seems like we're focusing a lot on work, volunteer type experience, you know, uh, work, you know, why is work such a central part of what being an adult is? That's what you do for your whole life is you work. It's just kind of what our culture has been built around that you, to be a productive member of society, have to hold a job and, produce something show something for what you do and it's just when you get you know you're in high school and yeah you have homework and you're expected to do it but let's be honest i didn't do all of mine and i still passed high school (laughs) so yeah fair enough it's just you get to college without any of that other experience and you just continue to treat it as more of the same and college still doesn't do a tremendous job of preparing people for the wider workforce or even even higher education. Yeah. I, I really just asked that as a matter of saying, isn't life more than work in school? Yes, it is. However, you got to work to support yourself. And also, this is America. It's not just work to support yourself. You have to have the best of the best of what you can, or maybe what you can't, even can't afford. 
you have to have the best car and the biggest house and you know the hottest girlfriend and, and you know even if you can't afford that nice house and that nice car you better take out a bunch of loans so you can have those things you know what i mean and that's just kind of the culture that we've built up and i'm not saying that i'm not guilty of those things as well but it's certainly not a healthy thing to work you know 70 80 hour work weeks just so you can have the best of everything because you're gonna break down i think you're touching on something i really want to mark down as a potential future topic which is the importance of consumerism and materialism in America. Um, Because that's kind of what we're hitting on here. And, I mean, it stretches all the way back to our Puritan roots. That's a whole other discussion, and I don't want to open that can of worms right this second. That's a several semesters long discussion. Yes. (laughs) So So I think that's. I just wanted to touch on the work thing because it's a huge central part of why you're an adult. And I think I'd like to offer sort of my interpretation of why work is so important to being an adult. Being an adult is taking care, like I said, I think it's taking care of your responsibilities without relying too much on your elders or your quote-unquote superiors. And in a way, that's simple stuff like paying the bills, checking the mail, you know, uh, going to the doctor when someone is sick, you know. And all of those things are skills in a way that you learn through a job you are forced to learn. You have to check the mail at your job or you get fired. If you're sick and you come to work all the time and you get everyone else sick, they're going to fire you. You know? You know, I I'm not talking about service jobs. No, no, I just mean that there there's still this culture of you're sick unless you were in the hospital or dead, you better still show up to your job. That is And that's a kind, whole kind of a peculiarity of the American system and American Absolutely, culture. Absolutely, but so. that's where we live, so well, that's all I, I mean, know. <laughs> I am aware of a few employers that work very hard to not have that happen and also uh uh working from home is a much bigger deal now, so you can just do that if you're sick instead. Um but my point is just that if an employer can trace, you know, a common illness Every time to you, they are going to fire you because that will save the money and people leaving. Um, you know, uh, along the same lines, if you do not pay your bills at work, if you're in charge of you know paying for some accounts payable and you don't pay it, they are going to fire you. And those are things that you just have to learn how to do in a workplace that stretch over to your daily life. Mm-hmm. So, in a way, working forces responsibility on you. And you just kind of have to grow to accept it. School does not do that. Outside of finals, basically anything graded. I mean, that, that's true. Like, you have to show up to work every day. You don't ever have to show up to class except to take the test or turn in your papers. I flew, I got an A in a class that I never showed up to except to take the test because I had the notes from a I literally school. skipped today. Yeah. <laughs> I, was lit- I was going to point out that go- going from high school to college might actually be worse for a student's overall concept of productivity, because in high school, if you skip school, you can be arrested. You can, you mm-hmm. know, yeah, that's a crime. But in college, no one cares. No, you don't have to go to class. The professors don't care. They might complain about low class attendance. I don't all mine do. But. I disagree with that. Actually, uh, when we started going to school, it's around the 2007, 2009 area. Schools were making a much larger effort to force people into attending class. So you saw a lot of those freshman classes having enforced attendance policies. I'm in one of those right now. As I say, you probably have experienced those. I definitely have. I had a teacher who'd be like, oh, what color shirt am I wearing? Turn it in. It's worth 10 points. And, you know, so if you didn't show up, because they weren't supposed to technically take attendance and grade on attendance. So they would just do these pop quizzes that were, I mean, you just had to show up and you could take it. I so. have professors. My, uh, just on Monday, my professor handed back the tests and said, everybody who didn't take a test back is not going to get a grade today. That was a quiz. But I, I see your point, but at the same time, the impact is still a lot less than it is for skipping repeatedly in high school. Like, you can get away with the bare-bones minimum of attendance in college and still pass some of these freshman classes. You know, and I think back to it, I don't think I ever skipped school in high school. Oh, no, my mom was on I say, my It was only when I was actually sick did I not go to class. <laughs> um, there was, to go. Or that one snow day we had in all the years I ever went to school. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, There was one time my mom actually taught at the school, and she wanted to take me out for lunch afterwards, but I'd have to miss class for a couple hours or whatever. And I was like, can I do this? Is this a thing? Is that allowed? I didn't know. So, But just you know, the transition from... High school, where everything is regimented, your life is very much on a schedule, to college, where there's a schedule, but it's more of a suggestion <laughs> than it is an actual set-in-stone thing. 
I don't mean to hog the you know topic of discussion here or anything, but now you've brought another idea to my head, which is in high school, we have a set schedule. You go to the same place every day at the same time. At work, you go, unless you have one of the rare jobs where you don't do this, go to the same place every day at the same time. College, you do not. Because each day has a different schedule. And I'm wondering if there's something schools could do to make that a little bit more structured that would sort of play in better with the experiences we've already had. Now, I like that they're so freeform. I like that myself. But we're talking about what is it that causes people at age 18 to fail in school? Maybe a maybe it is the the <clears throat> the lack of a day to day structure. Maybe with the, the such the varied schedules, school, class schedules you can have, that suddenly students almost aren't able to chart their day reliably. Perhaps maybe if schools included like just a a half hour, like you know, there's just a set number of half hour classes in the afternoon. Some some something. Simple. You have to go to a half hour class every single day to fit your credits. Yeah, something like that. Just some simple little class that is required every semester for students to go to for at least the first two years, so that students have something that is daily and regular to set their schedule by. But I mean, you can do that yourself. That's true. You can, but you it's... probably won't. But you can be like every day at three o'clock. Like I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to go here. And if you have a job, that's still a set. I don't think that having like oh, I would have hated it if I had to go to school again in college from nine to three every day. I would mm-hmm. hate that beyond I agree with anything. I much rather go to like two classes on Monday, Wednesday, three classes Tuesday, Thursday. It gives you an extra day to do your homework. For sure, it's an adjustment, but I. I I don't think you should change the scheduling. But that's just my opinion. Like I said, I agree with that. I'm just sort of, you know, trying to freeform think of reasons why um, it's so different for us at age 18. You know, um, all that freedom and never having held responsibility before in your life. And I think that's what the problem boils down to. Absolutely. You have all the freedom. All the decisions are on you. You haven't practiced decision making. A lot of us make terrible decisions when we're 18. Uh, A lot of us make terrible decisions when we are 21. As another example, you know, uh, that's a lot to put on a kid. And I don't know, maybe, have we considered, maybe parents are the problem. For sure. Like, I can tell you that we had, like, it was a similar thing to, like, Campus Connection or uh, to Blackboard when I was in high school where your parents could go on and check your grades. Can't do that in college. Your parents, uh, unless you give them the password, there are laws that they can't call your teacher and ask what your grade is. You can't tell them over the phone. They can't come in and demand your grade. They can't. I mean, they can go talk to your teachers, but they're not going to tell them anything because there's laws preventing that. And I think it is a big thing when your your parents are on you every day. Did you do your homework? Did you do this? Did you do that? And then you move away and go to college, and no one's there to hold you responsible. You really take like really take hold of that newfound freedom. She can't go online and check your grades. Dad can't you know check up on you because you're six hours away or they don't have the password to check your grades. That is, and that could be something, there could be something to it where, I mean, I can't speak to this trend. I know I hear a lot of people talking about this trend of parents being a lot more tight with the, what their children are doing in the day. Like when, when I was a kid, it was hop on my bike. My dad said, be back by sunset or don't wake us up when you get home. (laughs) And that was it. I was out during the summer making my own decisions. I had an allowance. If I wanted something, I had to go out buy it myself. And that, and again, this is, I don't have any first-hand experience with it, but this could be happening where younger generations, people younger than us, their parents are maybe buying into a little, a little more fearful of the world, a little more controlling of what their kids are doing. And so the kids just aren't being allowed to make decisions. And that's that 24-hour media that, you know, oh, my God, you know, the sky is falling type of thing, which is, again... There are rapists on every corner. Right? And there was a lady, this was just a couple of years ago, who got arrested for child negligence because her kid walked four blocks to the park. Like, we had the same thing, too. We took off on our bikes or went wherever. As long as I told my mom where I was going and, like, if I said, oh, I'm going over to Liz's house and I called her when I got there, that was fine. At, at some point, she would call me at their house and be like, hey, you have to come home now. But, it, you know, she didn't keep quite as close of track on me as parents are these days. And I, I, I get both sides. I'm sure when I become a parent, I will also be like, oh, my God, where's my child? But you got to let them have some freedom. And, yeah, parents have too tight of a hold these days. I remember a story, and I can't remember where I read it. But if I ever remember, I'll put it into the show notes or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, a woman was arrested for leaving her toddler in the car for about two minutes 
because she went inside to buy batteries at a convenience store. Toddler had an iPad. The car was on, being air-conditioned. Uh, it was locked to the outside. See, and that's ridiculous. I got left in the car. My mom, I mean, if it was ex- exceptionally hot or cold, she would leave the car running and be like, hey, I'll be back in a minute. Run and get some milk. The car's locked. Like I said, as long as you're not leaving them in a hot car, because a hot car can get hot to deathly hot in a matter of minutes. Yeah. But if you leave the car running and the car's locked, the kid's not going anywhere, you know, that's ridiculous to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we have this culture of fear now, and I Hey, there's another uh, idea for us to talk about in the future. Already wrote it down. Oh, there you go. Um, we're afraid of everything, and I think that's what's affected our parents. They're afraid of us failing. They're afraid of us being kidnapped. Uh, they're afraid of us screwing up drugs and alcohol. I mean, every day you turn on the news, you hear about a new drug I've never heard of. Uh, the, the new one for me, this is only a couple years ago, is this fentanyl thing that I'd never heard of until a couple years ago, so... And that's the thing. It's not like parents are intentionally ruining their kids. They're trying to do what's best for them. They're trying to protect them so they don't get hurt, so they don't fail, so they don't have to feel that pain of, you know, being a failure, but it's kind of going against them. It's hurting them in the long run, but they're tr- they're not trying to screw them up. They're trying to help. Yeah. You know, and so that's definitely not a dig at anybody who is maybe a little too much of a helicopter parent. You're just doing your best. You're doing the best you can. You're trying really hard, but Maybe take a step back and be like, is this kid going to help me in the future? I just help feel like... In the future. Oh, go ahead, Brian. I was just going to think, going back to our original idea of, you know, b- being unprepared for school at 18, could it be that parents being so afraid of their kids failing, they don't let their kids fail? Absolutely. Yeah. the helicopter parenting. Would, and you can just figure this, you know, think about this for a second, if perhaps there's something built into the school system where this, it's designed to force the student to experience failure. Nothing drastic, but just something where it's difficult to the point that the student is probably going to fail. You want us to input an actual Kobayashi Maru into the American high school system? Well, here's the other thing, too, is you have a problem, and this was even starting to be a problem, I think, when I was in middle school and high school, whereas if a kid does fail a test, the parent goes in and yells at the teacher, hey, why did my kid get a B? Why did my kid fail? Look at your kid's homework. Was it wrong? That's why they failed. And they instead of being like, Timmy, you need to do your homework, or Timmy, you didn't do this right, they go yell at the teacher, you didn't teach my kid, you're picking on my kid. That's for sure. You are for sure screwing up your kid by doing that. Make your kid take responsibility if they do something wrong. Don't go in there and cover it up with money or threats. You know, that's that's really a problem. Devil's advocate here, but I think I know what happens in those situations, and it's not quite as cut and dried as that. So I think in a lot of those situations, the kid has been... Um, talking about that teacher badly for a long time and so the parents you know view of the situation is a little poisoned maybe well and that's the thing there's two sides to every story it might be that you know timmy didn't do his homework right because he doesn't pay attention in class i don't know sorry timmy sorry i'm picking on you um <laughs> so it might be that the kids not understanding or or the teacher really is picking on them but i think that parents you know they don't want to ever let their kids feel sad and i understand the the urge to protect your kid but you know it's okay and like the kind of like the participation ribbons too like there can be a winning team that's fine you know because you need to learn to be a good winner and you need to learn to be a good loser and that that's an important skill that you learn playing dodgeball in you know first grade you goddamn millennials <laughs> and your goddamn participation trophies in my day we had one winner and then the rest of the kids were killed that's another thing I want to talk about a little bit later in this podcast is how millennial is kind of used as an insult these days. Okay. Is it? I mean, I haven't really experienced that at all. It depends. So. I think it, it comes up a lot more if you pay attention to a lot of the, what I'd call second hand news sources. So websites that, or uh, media sources that sort of talk about what's going on in the world or in culture, like time magazine, that kind of thing. Uh, they, they, there's a lot of articles, a lot of social science being conducted right now at our generation. And they've come up with this lovely term, millennials. And all of a sudden, we're being thrown in as the reason why a lot of things are going badly. Well, and the thing is, too, they, they keep changing what a millennial. Now, I think it's people who were born 1980 and after up until, like, the teenagers today. Those are, to me, three, four different generations. Like our generation who was born in the late 80s, early 90s is not the same generation as the kids that are teenagers now. We grew up with different sets of technology and so I don't think it's right at all to lump all of us 
into one thing. And here's the thing. You can talk about, well, kids are always on their damn phones and, you know, all they do is take selfies and this and that. But you know what? Greg, that works in middle management at 65, uh, you don't know anything about social media, which is a really big thing these days. Social media is a huge part of advertising, and the older generation who's criticizing us for being on social media doesn't know how to use it and doesn't realize what a valuable tool it can be. Well, I think Brian could use a bit of a primer on what sorts of things they're saying about millennials specifically, because if he is not that familiar (laughs) with the term. I'm um, familiar with the term. I just We're we're lazy, we're entitled, we're narcissistic. Yep. Um, we have little ambition, and we don't really care much about the world around us. See, and my my cursory glance at Wikipedia would actually have me would actually suggest that the the people who coined the term millennials actually held they agreed with the narcissism and the general inflated sense of self worth that millennials have, but all of the other things, the laziness, the um, the unlikeliness to engage socially. They actually argued for the opposite of that. And they're also, according to Wikipedia, in my cursory glance at it, they were, um, there's a lot of dispute about that and within the research on millennials. But for the most part, that concept of millennials as lazy and self-centered and selfish is unfounded and possibly could be some projection in there. Well, first off, I want to say, if you're going to cite Wikipedia as an <laughs> academic s- source, I think you have to say Wikipedia. Wikipedia. Yes. Okay. yes. All right. Well, my other thing is, every generation has said about the generation after them, they're lazy and, you know, they're entitled. Every generation, the new generation is lazy. And, I mean, I work with teenagers. We're in our 20s, mid to late 20s. We work with teenagers at our job, and they are lazy. Not all of them, but the select few that work there are very lazy. But I just feel like every generation has its lazy <laughs> Absolutely. people. It's know. like it's half of them are lazy and half of them are just annoying. Sid. So, <laughs> yeah. It's teenagers? Exactly. If you consider it as a law of averages, half of everyone you meet is going to be lazy. Probably. So, it's uh, a great Carlin quote, right? Yeah. Think of the... Think of how dumb the average person is, and then think half of them are dumber than that. Yeah, that's the great Carlin quote. Anyways... Um, so I recently told someone that, um, titling an entire generation without having met even more than a select handful of them, titling them all lazier and titled is just incredibly stupid and short-sighted because one, if you're not a part of that generation, then it's your fault because we were raised by you. So if we are entitled, if we are lazy, it is because you screwed up. Well, I mean, and just generalization and, you know, is always bad. It's never good to say this one group of people is this way because of, I met three teenagers and they were lazy. So everyone who's a teenager right now is lazy. Like, that's ridiculous. Because I do know a couple teenagers who are incredibly hardworking. Not many, but a few, but a couple. And I just think that all the things that they attribute to us being lazy, entitled, selfish, are actually just continuing economic trends. I mean... How much debt, we talked about this earlier, how much debt do you have to take on to go to college these days? And we're expected to pay for that as we go to school. Can't do that on a 9 to 5 as I already sort of, you know, walked through earlier. And so we're lazy because, well, we haven't worked enough to get our own place when we graduate, so we have to move back home for a few years. Well, I mean, in a lot of cultures, people stay home until they get married. You know, um, we're, we're entitled because we all feel like we should be I think the statistic I saw was that a, a large portion of us want to be promoted every two years at a job, regardless of job performance. But if you look at the jobs that a lot of us have worked, that is just how they're structured. That's the corporate structure of promotion. It's just what we're used to. And we haven't experienced anything besides that. Not to mention, since the, especially since the uh, economic recession, it just economic growth in general has plateaued. It's not really going up as quickly. It had gotten much better. It, it has gotten much better, but still, especially I've looked at the housing market around here, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's the, I, I managed to find a shack. Two bedrooms, <laughs> one bath, no garage, and barely a yard to speak And of. how much? $100,000. Well, I think you might be very happy to know that you live in one of the places that has the lowest property values in the entire country. That is true. I, but compare that to the, you know, what the average pay is as well. Like, without a degree, without a job that requires a degree, you can't afford that. No, because 
basically minimum wage and therefore the sort of secondhand minimum wages, the wave of wages right above that, have stayed the same for so many years, and they finally went up recently. I don't know exactly when because I wasn't making minimum wage. But, you know, uh, inflation vastly outpaced minimum wage. Absolutely. I believe minimum wage is still 7.25 i think it's 9.25 now I... no it's not i'm pretty sure it's 7.50 because i was like i'm well well i think no. we should find out because That's true, I, once, I don't think I, it's i once nine. made fun of a local politician for not knowing what minimum north wage. dakota minimum wage is still currently 7.25 okay it's yeah. 7.25 like, it's not nine i must have been thinking of minnesota or something. no it was originally i remember when i first entered the workforce it was 5.15 same. Yep, same and it went up to like 6.75 and then it went mm-hmm. up to like 7.25 and that's where it stayed since I think like 2006. Well, I need to eat some humble pie because, like I said, I once insulted a <laughs> prominent politician for not knowing what minimum wage was, and then here I am right now. Well, so. in your defense, you're not a politician, and that's not what. And we're I don't make minimum wage, about. so I don't make minimum wage in any of my we jobs make either. Less than minimum wage. We make less than minimum wage. We work as servers, and then also um, at my two jobs where I teach fitness classes, I make vastly more than that. But right, and I yeah. So, I guess. When it comes down to it, you know, uh, millennials are the entitled lazy generation. I just think a lot of these, what you're seeing are the, what, what people are claiming as the symptoms of our laziness and entitlement, it's actually the other way around. If we're lazy and entitled, it's, that's the symptom caused by maybe a bit of desperation. We feel like the world wasn't really constructed for us. Well, we look at it, we look at the world that our grandparents and our parents had. And we don't have that. And we're bound to be upset because the idea is we should be able to have what our parents had. And we don't. I think our parents' generation, not our parents, it's the generation after our parents. So Gen X, is that what it is? Because most of us are... Are we the generation no, after we're our parents? Gener- no, we're technically generation Y. Yeah, there's so, so boomers, most of our parents are boomers. I know yours were. Uh, mine are technically, but they're at the very tail end. Um, I don't know about you. I think so. I don't know. <laughs> Brian doesn't know Brian, what But um, basically, I'm pretty sure Boomer tails off at 63. Okay. So uh, the generation between 63 and 80 is Gen Xers. Okay, then my parents These are the people who boomers. came of age in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And I think they're the ones looking at the first generation whose children will be looking at poorer and shorter lives than theirs. And honestly, when you look at it that way, when you, when, you, when you look at those metrics, it's hard to look at that and not say that society has completely failed. I think that's a little bit of an exaggeration. I, I can believe it, though, because even, even during the Industrial Revolution, when children were being forced to crawl into the machinery, the average life expectancy was going up. The average, you know, the average quality of life was going up, even if the bottom rung was suffering horribly. The average has stopped going up. Suffering is getting worse at the bottom rungs of poverty. And we're starting to plateau. I, I, I accidentally used a little bit too much hyperbole. And said I was going to say, saying society has failed, I mean, that that's like end of days, like we're, we're looting and raping type shit. You know well, what I mean? What I mean to say more is that we are caught in between two societies. Like we need to trans, tr- like sort of metamorphosis into the next one. But we're stuck in the middle somewhere. Well, and- I think... And I mean, again, this could be its whole other topic, but you're, you're kind of, when everyone has to have the biggest house and the nicest car and, you know, the nicest and that, no one is caring about the people who can't even afford, like, anywhere to live. And yeah. I, we need to be a little more concerned about our fellow person because, I mean, that's where kind of the society is crumbling because the, the life for the people at the bottom rung is getting worse because no one is willing to help them at all. Yeah, and I think that's a whole separate issue, too. Absolutely. And... I mean, there's there's a part of me that, that wants to like just flat out agree and say we need to do more for those people. But I also feel that the constant progress and development of society helps them more than anything that we can do, that we do, can, you know. I mean, think about how bad things were for, you know, those with uh, disabilities a couple hundred years ago and how much progress in society has helped them. And I think the other thing, too, is that... Um in the pro- progression of society in general, is any, any parent who, like, tries to force their child to agree with their viewpoints. I have vastly different, 
views on most political things and just kind of basically life in general, then my entire family is all on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. And they've never tried to control me and be like, no, you're wrong. Well, some of them do. (laughs) But for the most part, I've always been free to have my own opinion. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's really important to be a critical thinker. And if your parents raise you a certain way and you're like, I don't agree with that, there is nothing wrong with being like, I don't agree with that viewpoint, still love and respect you, but this is how I view the world. And try you shouldn't try and stifle your kid and make them a mini you. They are their own person. And that's how society progresses, by letting people have their own ideas. So drawing it back again to, you know, keep uh, kids being unprepared for school, could another symptom of that being kids are being fed their beliefs through their parents pretty much throughout their lives. I mean, I knew I, I, my parents were Republican growing up. I believe Republican things right up to the end of high school. Same. <laughs> I would argue you still believe certain Republican things. Yeah, probably. I mean, I, I also would be in the middle leaning more left, per, uh, specifically on societal issues. But, and again, this could be a whole other politics. And, uh, you know, the, the, I guess the political scientist in me wants to clarify and say, I believe in certain <laughs> conservative ideals, ideals which I currently feel are not served by a certain party in power in our government. Okay. But that's, again, an entirely different issue. Fair enough. But back to the point, the idea being that at 18, you've barely begun to start forming your own ideas, thinking for yourselves, or maybe you haven't done that at all, and you still just blindly follow what your parents believe. And then you're dropped into you're dropped into college, which are, especially if you go to a liberal arts college, which is tra- traditionally very, very left-leaning, and a lot of students might not be prepared for that sudden just shift in thinking well you know and i i grew up in a very conservative household (laughs) and they actually tried to caution me against the sort of uh mind control camps that are made up of liberal arts colleges and i went to school and actually found that a lot of my professors believe it or not were people with different beliefs (laughs) and everything some of them were very republican some of them are very like liberal some of them didn't give a crap some of them gave a lot of crap turns out they're people and I think students tend to be influenced by the professors that they like the most. So, really, we shouldn't be blaming an entire campus. We should be blaming, you know, oh my goodness, that's the kind of person my kid wants to be, so that's who they're emulating. But I think sort of circling back on the whole thing here, sort of what we touched on is that as a child, we're still a child at 18. We don't, we haven't made responsible decisions because we haven't had any responsibility or decision making put on us other than where would you like to go to school and a lot of kids don't even have that decision so i think what we get back to is you know should kids wait to go to college and i think the answer is just a resounding yes absolutely yeah i agree with that completely i i think for certain you need to get out in the world you need to have a little responsibility i don't know about living on your own just because right now that just doesn't seem like an economic reality that we have Living on your own isn't necessary. That. I just think having control of things you do in your life, having exactly. more control and more responsibility for yourself. And I think that, you know, your parents could charge you a little rent. Not a lot, a little. So you get a taste of what it's like to say, hmm, I'd like to go out for a beer with you, but I can't today because I have to pay rent tomorrow. And why? I, while I agree, I think that if parents are collecting rent, they should be setting that aside for their kid at a later date. I don't think they should I, be making profit I mean, off of you. I I don't think that's up to them. Like, I think any parent can decide what they want to do with that. That's what I would do, you know. But I think it's just too valuable a learning tool not to use. Okay. And so, you know, maybe your kid wants to spend two years after high school or four years. I think two is probably a more comfortable number for a lot of people. Uh, Traveling the world. Well, join some volunteer group. Peace Corps. Peace I've Corps. Heard really great things. Yeah, about absolutely. Or, actually, or, 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 or church, church group. Mission, absolutely. Church group. You know, travel the world or experience some culture or, you know, experience culture right where you are. A lot of us, you know, define ourselves based on the people we spend time with in school. And I wonder if a lot of this sort of shock of not knowing what who I am or what I want to do with my life is. I wonder how much of that is based off of that we just don't go through that journey of self-discovery until we have our, you know, the boot planted in our ass and we're out the door. And you don't really go through the trouble of figuring out who you are and what you want. 
So that's just kind of what my thoughts are. You know, in not to be the one who's like, in conclusion. <laughs> well, that's fine. And no, I agree with that. That just, you need to have that, that grace period between the end of high school and before you go to college to really figure out who you are and what you want as a person. I absolutely agree with both of you. All right. All right. I mean, uh, you know what? I think my beer's empty, so. Minus two. Probably about time to go. Well, thank you guys for joining us for our first podcast. Uh, this will be uploaded every Friday. I believe next week is Ethan's topic. So next week we'll be discussing, what would you do if you came into a sudden large sum of money, but you only had a little bit of time to get rid of it? All right. And if you guys have any comments or questions for us, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at DHDpod or email us at drafthousedithers at gmail.com. And we'll see you guys next week.